Well, good morning, CAMCC. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4 says that the Lord our God goes with us to fight against the enemy and to give us victory. We know that there's victory in Jesus' name, and we're going to sing this morning from, a, from that victory stance as we fight our battles. There's a table you prepare for me in the presence of my enemies. Your body, your blood you shed for me, and this is how I find my.
God, may we make room in our hearts and in our minds. Let us surrender. Here is where I lay it down, every burden, every doubt. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. Jim Moyer. I'm one of the pastors here at Cameron Community Church, and we're going to be uh, celebrating communion during this gathering worship time. First, let me just ask, uh, would the ushers come down front, please? So um, I hope you've been able to pick up the elements of communion, either at home uh, or here on campus. But if not, um, if you're in this auditorium, the ushers will be able to give you the elements. Uh, if you just raise your hand, uh, let them know that uh, you need those, they'll be happy to give those. So as I was singing that last song, Make Room, I was really impacted by the premise of that song. We, before God, are giving him permission to, um, 
to shape us, allow the Holy Spirit to change us, to conform us to his image. That involves us surrendering our will for his will. And I don't know for you, but for me, that's often difficult. In fact, it's usually difficult. I don't want to let go of my will. But as I've struggled in this process in the past, God has reminded me that Jesus came to this earth and he suffered and he died for this very purpose that we could be accepted we could be redeemed and to and there's the end to conform us to the image of Christ so Paul shares his thought on this in uh, his second letter to the uh, church in Corinth he writes when God is personally present we are transfigured much like the Messiah our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him so while we're on this planet and we are willing to surrender our will we are in the process of becoming like Christ so in the next few songs we have uh, three songs remaining the next two or three songs I invite you to continue surrendering the parts of your life that you're holding on to the parts that you're not yet willing to let God transform the parts that I have that I'm not willing to let God transform um, you know the the beautiful thing about it is God loves us and he has the foresight that uh, in the transformation he will bring us to where we need to be what we're supposed to be where we're supposed to end up so maybe we can even get to the point where we um, are even willing to accept change and uh, this challenge in the process of growth so Jesus just remember Jesus said an amazing thing as a father has loved me so I have loved you abide in my love so let us pray. Jesus, would you help us become more and more like you, more of your character and more of your purpose? Would you help us to surrender more and more of our will to yours? And we give you thanks that you were obedient, that you're willing to suffer and die on a cross that we could be redeemed and restored in our relationship with the Father and that we could abide in your love we can grow in your faith, grow in our faith and become more like you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so sometime in the next two or three songs, when you have prepared your hearts, when you've meditated on this thought, when you've maybe wrestled with some surrender issues, um, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, take the bread, which represents God's, uh, Jesus' body, and eat. And then take the cup, which represents Jesus' blood of a new covenant, and drink.
is good. Well, we're having uh, some technical difficulties this morning. As you could probably tell why sometimes the words show up and sometimes they don't. But you know, with all the tech problems that happen, there's one thing that remains constant, which is that we will still be here to worship and praise Jesus. Amen? So because we don't know when the lyrics will go out again, we're just going to kind of go back and sing some of these songs that are just familiar to our hearts, maybe that we grew up with, that are um, staples that we've sung over and over and over, maybe to the point of becoming rote and not really penetrating our hearts. Our team has been studying the seven Hebrew words in the Old Testament. And what's interesting is that all the words for worship in the Old Testament are action-oriented, outward praise. And the way that I grew up, the church that I grew up, it was looked down upon to raise your hands, to clap, definitely moving side to side, because that would bring attention to yourself, and that's prideful. And so you'd be given a pride verse and fall right back into line. But then as I continue to study God's scriptures of what worship truly is, I see the complete opposite of that. I see words that are crying out to God with hands open as gratefulness of, Lord, please rain down your blessings. Lord, I just want to praise you for what you've done for me. Words of acts of surrender. Lord, I give this to you that I've been holding on to. And even kneeling, but still having your head up to acknowledge the king. So as we continue to worship with these familiar songs, I just want to encourage you that as you seek the scriptures and as you study worship on your own time, that you would be encouraged to worship biblically, which is what I thought I always did until I dug into the scriptures and found out what his word says. So let's sing this simple song. We were probably, many of us were taught it. And truly listen to the words. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Sing it again. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me. Yes, the Bible does tell us that God sent his only son to die for us because he loved us so much. To be able to accept him, allow his grace to be the substitute for us that we could spend eternity with him. The splendor of a king clothed in all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice, 
It trembles at his voice And the church sang How great is our God Sing with me how great is our God And all will see how great How great is our God Oh 
Good morning, everybody. Good. Are you guys awake? I feel, I feel like second service, you guys got a chance to sleep in, so you guys should be like fired up about this Jesus stuff, um, or you need to go to bed earlier, either one. Good morning. If you don't know me, not, my name is Zach Lawler. I am one of the teaching pastors here at Camarillo Community Church. As always, I'm just super grateful to have the opportunity to, to teach you guys and to be with you guys in this amazing church family. Today, I'm excited to say we are in our last chapter of 1 Corinthians, you guys. Are you guys excited? Oh my goodness. All right. Um, <laughs> Uh, I know some of you are like really excited that this book's going to end and others of you are kind of disappointed and some of you are like, wait, we've been in 1 Corinthians? <laughs> oh, you should come to church more. Anyways, uh, today I want to start by asking a question that ties into our passage for the day. And I want to ask you guys, would you describe yourself as being intentional in the relationships in your life? Like, how about this? As a husband or wife, would you describe yourself as being intentional as a spouse? And I know this is going to start some conversations in the car right on the way home about how you watch too much ESPN, Frank. But um, enjoy that conversation. (laughs) Now, for the rest of us, I had to be really honest with myself this week. Me and my wife, we are terrible about being intentional in our marriage. Okay? Like, it's just never been something that we are very good at. And actually, hearing stories from some of the other pastors at church made me really realize how bad I am as a husband, right? Like, I was talking to Kelly. You guys know Kelly. He's our amazing worship leader. Can I have a round of applause for Kelly's worship team? They are so good. Um, so you guys may not know this about Kelly. He's not only like a velvet singer. He is a very romantic guy. You guys didn't want to know that. Anyways, so I asked Kelly about a, a time in his life when he was most intentional as a, a husband, and, and he tells me about this time he planned a surprise party for his wife, and I'm waiting to hear, like, the normal stuff from a spouse about how, you know, he had some friends come over, and he bought her something gold and shiny, right? Um, something that I would do, but not Kelly. No, Kelly had to make everything a surprise. So this guy, Kelly, he, um, he calls his wife's work, and he gets time approved for her to not be there. Not just that, they arrange for a substitute teacher to cover her class, and Kelly rolls up and picks her up after work and, and whisks her off to the airport and flies her to a Bon Jovi concert, okay? Um, I guess she's the only Bon Jovi fan in the world, but I'm sure she enjoyed it. I think they're a rock band. And after the concert, uh, after this wonderful concert, he has a hotel room arranged for her, and he has champagne, and he called the hotel room, and he even had them set out rose petals. He convinced them to do this, right? And as if that's not enough, this crazy man wakes her up first thing in the morning, puts her on another airplane, and flies her to Las Vegas to see her second favorite artist, again concluded with yet another pre-arranged hotel room. And I'm standing here as a husband going, wow, I suck, right? Like the best thing I ever did for my wife was buy her a new loofah. It was a nice loofah, right? And, 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 and I realized there's two reasons that me and my wife are not very good at being intentional. Number one, we are the cheapest people in the world, okay? So if being intentional costs me money, forget about it. Secondly, we both have the emotional capabilities of an, a, a, a robot, okay? So, like, we're not really good at thinking about our feelings, their feelings, her feelings. It just doesn't come up very much. And, and it just made me realize that we need to do better at this. But it actually made me think, like, in my marriage, if I would have planned all of this stuff, how would it have gone down with me and my wife? And there's something you guys should know about my wife. She ruins every surprise ever, okay? It doesn't matter what it is, she wrecks it and buries it in the backyard, okay? So I was just thinking through this with my wife. If I would have planned this out, I can just picture how it would go. I've been married for a long time. I can tell you almost word for word. Like, I would show up at her work to pick her up, and I'd be like, baby, get in the car. Let's go. And she'd be like, um, nope. I gotta go home. I gotta get cleaned up. I gotta get my stuff ready. I'd be like, no, babe, I have a, a flight planned for us. And she'd be like, we can't leave town. I have a job to go to tomorrow. And I'd be like, no, don't worry about it, girl. I got it all worked out. I called your boss. Everything's set. And she'd be like, you called my boss. And this is where the story would take a turn for the worse, right? She'd pull out her phone and she'd be like, one minute. Yeah, yeah, Scott? Yeah, I understand my husband called you about some time off. Yeah, disregard everything he said. He's a moron. Okay, all right, I'll be in tomorrow, right? And that's pretty much where it would go from there. And I'd be like, but babe, but maybe I, I have this hotel room set up and, and, and there's going to be champagne and rose petals. It's going to be so nice. And she'd be like, hotel room? How much did that cost? Who's paying for that? Why do we need a hotel room? It's my birthday, not yours. What do you think's going to happen, right? 
You guys got it. Okay. Um, and there better not be any cancellation fees. Like, we can't afford this stuff, Zach. And, sh and, and, and then I would start crying. Okay, that's pretty much how the story would go. Very romantic. But it made me think, how intentional am I with God? Like, like I'm a terrible husband, admittedly, okay? Um, I just rely on my looks all the time, okay? But it made me wonder, how intentional am I in the rest of my relationships? Like, my relationship with my God. Like, I mean, am I intentional about my faith? Am I intentional about my relationship with Him? What does the Bible say about being intentional in our faith? And what does God desire that we back up in His kingdom? Like, do we back up His work? Do we back up Him financially? Do we back up His workers? These are all really good questions, and we're going to answer them today. If you guys will bear with me, would you mind praying with me before we go into the Word of God? God, I pray that you, uh, you rest on all of us today. I pray your name is known in this place. I pray your word is proclaimed and that these members of your body hear your words. And I hope their ears are open. Let my voice be a vessel of your message to these people. And let them only hear what comes from you, Lord. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, last chapter of 1 Corinthians, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 12 today. We're going to break it up a little bit. But you guys are going to see one question formed by this passage right off the bat. How does God suggest that we support his work? How does God suggest that we support his work? And the first point you're going to see pretty clearly is by living sacrificially. By living a life that is sacrificial. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4, we're going to start in verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. And you guys, I just want to give you a warning. These are the closing words of Paul. These are like Paul's PSs and Paul's PSSs, right? And it's going to seem a little scattered because there's a lot being covered here. So if you're like, I don't know where Zach is going, you're welcome. Okay, we're going to be all over the place, all right? Because it's the ending of a letter. But I think you guys, if you're, if you're like me, if you're ever like on a Bible reading plan, you'll get to the end of a chapter and you just want to finish it up, right? You're like, ah, these are Paul's closing words to the Corinthians. I don't really need to listen. But there's two very important things I want to pull out today. And the first point is this. You guys notice that Paul closes the letter with the assumption that the believers are going to be giving to the cause of God. He's assuming that this is just something that believers do, right? And, 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 and not only that, he says, like, I want you guys to set it aside at the beginning of the week and have this giving that you're going to give planned out. Do you guys know what the first day of the week is? Trick question. It's Sunday, okay? Back then, the first day of the week was Sunday. Some of us actually claim that that's the Sabbath day. You guys are actually, we're all wrong. Saturday was the Sabbath day. It still is. So don't say you're not coming to church because you're on Sabbath. That's Saturday, okay? Come to church Sunday morning. And you know, I thought this was beautiful. Do you guys, we still gather every Sunday just like the original church. And we still bring our tithe, usually on Sunday, unless you're giving online, the same way the early church did. And I think there's just something beautiful about that. Now, Paul is very direct about this idea on giving to the church. And some wonder why Paul is covering this. Like, did the Corinthians reach out to Paul and say, Paul, how do we give to the poor? You guys might be wondering who the poor are in Jerusalem. The poor in Jerusalem, they believe there was a huge famine going on at this time. It's talked about in the book of Acts. Also in Jerusalem, as you guys would know, a lot of them are losing their jobs and their well-being and their finances because they're being persecuted for coming out about being a Christian. Either way, they're setting money aside for the poor. And it all comes back to this point. God went, wants you to live sacrificially. And notice how blunt Paul is. Paul's like, I just wonder if we were this blunt as a church, right? Like how it would work out. Because Paul's like, hey, you guys, I, I want you to collect the money before I get there. I don't want to have to go give some heartfelt message about how, how the poor need your money. I don't want to have to go get people pumped up and have them give reluctantly. I want you guys to plan this out at the beginning of the week, and I want you to have it ready for me when I get there, right? And it, it all brought me back to this idea of a, of a verse in Matthew 6, 21. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Another way to think about this would be what you sacrifice the most for, there your heart will be also. And, and when we, if we took this out of context, you guys know that like, if we just looked at our bank accounts, where does most of our money go in Southern California? I can't, I just hear whispers. Amazon, okay, you got a problem, brother. All right, um, so for mo- <laughs> spending problem, for most of us, uh, I don't know about you guys, but most of my income goes to my mortgage, dude. These houses are expensive, okay? If you bought a house in the, in the last year, your entire income's going to your house, okay? But I bought mine a couple years ago, and uh, like a good fraction of my money goes to my home. But I can tell you one thing, like, I don't treasure my home. Do you guys get that? Like, my house is cool. It's got nice stuff, but if I lost my house tomorrow, I'd move back into a trailer. I'd fit in better there anyways. Like, I'm okay with it, okay? But there's something I do treasure, and that's my Lord Jesus Christ, the guy I can't live one second without, one minute without my treasured Jesus Christ. And so I want to come back to that question. Like, what are you sacrificing the most for? And like, if we saw our balance sheet, at the end of the week or at the end of the month, if we saw our balance sheet, would our balance sheet reflect that we're backing up the work of God? Do we have money coming in and money going out that reflects what we claim to believe? And that's a difficult subject to talk about. And I thought I would just pick on myself a little bit. If I could be real with you guys, as a believer, when I first came to church, I didn't give any money to the church for the first couple years I was a believer. And you guys should know something about me. Not only am I the cheapest person in the world, okay, but I was not brought up in a Christian home. Some of you guys have been teaching your kids, every dollar you get, you give 10 cents to the Lord Jesus, right? I didn't have that. My parents were like, my money's my money, your money's my money, their money could be my money, like, let's hold on to it, right? Get that cash. And so I came into the church with the attitude of not trusting the church leadership trusting the members or any of it. So I gave no money to the church, not a dime. But here's the crazy part about me. I still came expecting the church to give me what I felt I had deserved. Like I came to church every Sunday expecting the worship and the preaching and and, and the kindness of the leaders to reflect that I was worth it. And, and, And and I soon had a conversation sitting down with a pastor about, about money and tithing. And I remember I sat down with this pastor, and, and he, we talked about how I come every week, and I, and I drink the coffee, and I, and I eat the donuts, and I, and I enjoy the nice, big, beautiful room and the air conditioning without giving a dime. And he said, I am being what's called a consumer. And I remember I heard these words, and I was like, gross, dude, you're kind of describing me like a guy that sits down at McDonald's and pounds double cheeseburgers. And he's like, no, um, son, people pay to go to McDonald's. Ouch. And I remember it didn't really help my heart how it should. I just remember leaving angry. And, and, and so I said, you know what, God, I'm not going to give my money to this church because I, I, I don't want the church to buy another BMW for the pastor. I think the pastor drove a Toyota Corolla. But anyways, right, I wasn't very observant. And so, so I'm like, you know what, God, I'll give them my time. Because Zach's time is super valuable. So I started serving, and the first serving event I went to was a big barbecue where we made hundreds of cheeseburgers for the local community in hopes that we could spread the love of Jesus and do some branding for the church as well. And I'm at this barbecue, and hundreds of people show up for free burgers, okay? But here was the crazy part to me. I'm serving, I'm cooking, I'm sweating, and all these people are coming up, and they don't just expect to get free burgers. They want to do special orders, right? They're like, yo, Zach, can I get a double cheeseburger? How, how about this? Uh, can I have mine well done? My wife wants hers medium, and I would love to have a protein-style one for my son. He's, he's on a diet. Okay. And I'm like, the burger's free, you guys. Here's one I picked up off the ground. Get out of here, right? And I remember the pastor's like, no, Zach, we're here to serve the Lord. Be, be pleasant. And, and, and I remember at the end, this lady walked up to me with a half-eaten cheeseburger, and she handed it to me. And she's like, I asked for well done, and this is more medium. And I remember thinking, it's a free cheeseburger. Like, what's wrong with you? How could you be so expected out of something that you didn't help prepare, something you didn't pay for, and something that you're not contributing to at all? And then I stood there like, oh, God, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. And and that was like a punch in the stomach. And that 
spoke so much more to me than the conversation I had with the pastor. And I remember I went home that night and I talked to my wife about our money, but there's something you should know about my money and my wife's money. Um, she's a businesswoman. She don't play around, okay? So we had several conversations about giving, and, and, and we started giving to the church. And I remember realizing something at that moment that, like, every dollar that was coming my way was being funneled through the Lord. Like, it was all coming through the Lord, and I, I understand in that moment that I was acting like a blockade to God's funds. Like God's money was coming downhill and it was stopping at me. And I had to think about the idea, am I going to use these things God is bringing my way to bless my kingdom or his? Am I going to praise the gifts or the gift giver? And I had a decision to make. And this brings me to something else that I believe we treasure in the church, and that is our comfort. I'm sweating with this sermon a little bit. (laughs) Let's go back to the Bible. We're going to be in verse... Five. Verse 5. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries." Well, that last part's really weird. And, and we hear some seemingly unimportant information about Paul's travel plans, right? Like, we kind of ask ourselves, like, um, is this important for me to hear? And the truth is, these are travel plans for, for Paul to the church in Corinth. And he says, I'm going to come through Macedonia. I'm going to come to you guys. I'm going to collect the funds you guys should have put together. And I'm going to take the money to the poor in Jerusalem. And then I want to drop back by and spend more time with you. I don't want it to just be a passing visit. And the interesting thing is, Paul doesn't end up making it back. Something interrupts his journey later on. But I want to come to verse 8, because I think this is huge. It's easy to glance over. Verse 8. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many, what? Adversaries. And I remember reading that like five times. Like, Paul, are you saying that you want to stay where there's problems? Like, are you saying you want to stay where there's people against you? And And then I read the commentary, and there's a lot of doctors who are much smarter than me who agreed with that idea that, like, yes, he wanted to stay where the door was wide open for effective work and where there was much resistance. He wanted to stay where he had problems. And we know this, guys. We actually, as a church, like most churches work pretty hard to make sure everybody's as comfortable as possible, right? The AC's on right now, you know? And it's just not something we do in America to pursue something that's uncomfortable. It's not really part of who we are. And I can tell you, as a matter of fact, like we don't want to go to a job that is unpleasant. You've never heard someone say, oh, I love my job. Everybody hates me there. It's so great right? Like, my boss hates me. It's fantastic. I spend most of my day crying in my office, right? You don't hear that. People want to work where they are loved and cared for, and they want to live where they are loved and cared for and respected. People want to live where everybody knows their name, right? Not where everybody hates their name. There's a song like that. Everybody hates you. Okay, so um, I was thinking about this and how a matter-of-fact Paul is about this yet again. He doesn't go into explanation. Paul doesn't give reasoning as to why you should stay in the face of adversity. He actually kind of acts like this is something believers do. It's not something he has to go into detail about because it seems that believers would understand you stay where you are most needed by the Lord regardless of how you are being treated by the people around you. And it's something that Paul displayed his entire life. But the fact is, we see many believers leave areas that have political climates and cultural climates do not favor them. But is this what Paul did in the early church? I want to come back to that point. How does God suggest we support his work? And that's by living sacrificially. And sacrificially might include living somewhere where it's not super comfortable to be a believer. Now, now, I've just been thinking, you guys, it seems like every week I hear of another family leaving Southern California, and it seems like there's three places people are going, Texas, Florida, Arizona. And I want to be clear with you guys, if you feel that God is calling you to Texas or Florida, by all means, go where God's calling you to be. I'll help you pack. 
But then I was wondering if, if, if you might consider the idea that God might want to keep you here despite the adversity. And guys, like, I know I, I've thought about leaving California a few times in the last couple years. Like, my wife asked me all the time, like, Zach, are you sure this is where you want to raise your babies? And I'm like, Shannon, they're 16 and 14. They've done been messed up by California. Okay, it's too late, right? But then she says, are you sure you want to stay here and, and pay the taxes that support things we don't really believe in, right? Are you sure that you want to be a part of the state with everything that's going on, right? And it seems like people don't even want to hear about our faith here. Are you sure you want to stay here? And I always answer her question in the form of a question. I say, if every believing Christian flees California, who is going to tell the people that don't know Jesus about the love of Christ? If every preacher flees to Texas and Florida and Arizona, who's going to be here preaching about the love of Christ? So I thought I might ask us all today, is there a possibility that God is calling you to stay where you're planted and love people where you're planted despite how you're treated for what you believe. I think there's a constant inner question we have to ask is, is the salvation of others around us more important than how we are treated? And that's a question we can only answer as an individual. But you guys should know, California churches are closing faster than they are opening. Doors are closing faster than churches are being planted. And that yet again comes back to what we're going to back up as a church. My question, could, could God be calling you to stand in a place where the faith is wavering? Could God be calling you to show love in a place where people might hate you for what you believe? And this brings us to our second point. How does God suggest that we support his work? By honoring the spiritual leaders in our lives. By honoring the spiritual leaders in our lives. Let's go back to verse 10. When Timothy comes... See that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord, as am I. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers. And this is funny, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has the opportunity. Apollos did not want to go to that church, <laughs> right? Like he's like, pass. Okay, um, but he's sending Timothy, and you guys should know there's something going on behind the scenes here. Uh, we guys, you guys know we've been in this, this book for a while. Paul's been like ripping into the church about their behaviors and their beliefs, and he's been rebuking them for, for questioning the resurrection. And, and you guys can imagine there's some tension between Paul and this church. Now we're going to see that come up in 2 Corinthians, right? But he's sending Timothy, and you guys know Timothy's like this young, meek, little, quiet guy. And Paul's going to be sending Timothy into like a pack of wolves, and he's worried about how Timothy's going to be treated. So Paul cites a reason that they should respect what Timothy is doing. He says this, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am, so let no one despise him. And this brings us back to that point. How do we support God's work? By honoring spiritual leaders. By honoring those God has put in leadership over us. And, and we come to a part in the, in the sermon where I have to be honest about something. I, I started to wonder how I've treated the pastors in my life and, and the elders in my life and, and the people that God has put over me. And I started to realize that sometimes in my life, I think I've treated pastors more like a barista than as a spiritual leader. Like they're making me a coffee at Starbucks. And I think sometimes I've treated pastors like they, I've purchased something from them that they now owe me. And what do I mean by that? Well, I can tell you that I myself have talked about the, the product that preachers produce. I've, I've questioned like, hey, is this really the most passion you can give to a sermon? And, I, and I've said, hey, that sermon really wasn't that funny or that sermon really wasn't that inspiring. Like, what are you bringing to my table? And I really had to ask myself, is it not enough that the pastor is preaching with conviction and with faith. And then I realized every pastor that is a real pastor in the world wants to do two things. They want to see us love the Lord, grow in the Lord, and they want to see people to come to Christ. They're not delivering a drink across the counter. And I think I've forgotten in times that pastors pour their life and their free time and their hearts into the work 
for the Lord. And, and I just had to question, like, how, how could I do a better job as a believer about supporting their work they're doing? Like, could I pray for them and their families? Could, could I think about how I'm talking about them behind the scenes? And, and could I maybe readdress how I am blessing them financially? And this all comes back to the same point. God desires our faith to be intentional. God desires for us to have intentional faith in, in our giving and in, in our practices and in, in our leading and in, in our loving and, and in our support of the church. God desires our faith to be intentional. Now, you guys might be thinking, I remember thinking this question when I first started giving to the church, my, my pie was a much smaller pie that I was giving from, and, and my time really wasn't that valuable as far as I was concerned. So I always wondered, like, there's thousands of believers in the, in, in the city, and there's millions of believers in the world. What makes my tithe and my time have any value in that grand scheme of things? As a matter of fact, why is my time, my money, and my work even valuable with all this resistance that we receive? And so I wanted to tell you guys about a man and woman from Wisconsin that decided to plant a church in a small town. And, and I can tell you that they, they were looking to plant a church, and they were looking at cities to go to, and they picked a certain city, but they did not pick the city for its nice weather. No, this city actually goes from negative 10 in the winter to 102 in the summertime. And they didn't pick the city because of its beauty unless you like brown rocks and sagebrush, right? And they didn't pick this city because of its nice people. No, this city is known for three things, homeless people, prostitutes, and drug addicts. And they certainly didn't pick this city because of its large Christian population. It's very tough to be Christian in a 24-hour town that is built on gambling. They, in fact, chose this town for one reason. They felt that it was a town full of people that desperately needed to hear the word of Jesus Christ. That was their motivation. So they poured their lives and their finances and their time into this little church that they met in the back of a YMCA. No more than 12 to 15 people intentionally giving, loving, and living. And the Lord would end up blessing this church as it would go from a church of 12 to 15 to nearly 1% of the total population of the town. Out of a population of 250,000 people, they had on average over 2,500 people coming on Sunday. And it was in that big, beautiful building that their members had paid for that a couple sat in the front row listening to the words of God. A couple that thought that they didn't deserve the love of God, the kindness of God, or the forgiveness of God. And that couple heard the words of the gospel that this guy Jesus Christ had given his life and shed his blood on the cross for them, not because of anything they'd done or anything that they earned or anything that they deserved, but because he loved them who he had created. And I can tell you right now, me and my wife were that couple sitting in that front row. And I remember thinking if this church who knew who we were, they'd ask us to leave. But there was something about that couple from Wisconsin, and something about the words that he shared that transformed our lives and changed everything about us. And I think you guys need to know, sitting here right now, that there is no estimate on how greatly we could value your time and your energy and your tithe for this body here in Camarillo. I want you guys to think about this. There's no limit to what we could do for Christ if we work together intentionally. Think about how wonderful your faith could be if it came out in an intentional manner every day, every second of your lives. I want you guys to think about the couple that might be sitting here right now that needs to hear the words of Jesus Christ. And I want you guys to know that if you're tithing and you're working and you're giving, that you're a part of that. And that's a beautiful thing. Will you guys pray with me? God, I thank you. I thank you that men and women and even children can do the work of your kingdom, that we can back you up, that we can support you, God. Let our finances never be a stumbling block, but let them be a way of giving back to what we are all doing for your name, Jesus. I thank you that this church gave $12,000 to send kids to a camp called Friathon, and I thank you that 11 kids' lives were transformed for your gospel 
and for their faith and for their hope and for their salvation. I thank you, God, that we even get to be a part of something that you're doing. I thank you that if we live intentionally, we can change the world together, God. And we thank you for who you are, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Zach. I don't know if anyone said it yet, but uh, happy 4th of July. I hope you guys have a good weekend. As we celebrate our freedom, we, we all remember and know that in America, we have our freedom because people sacrificed and died. The same is true for our faith as Christian believers, that uh, we have freedom over the power of sin in our life, from the slavery to sin, and we have new life in Christ because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. If you're here with us today and you don't know Jesus, uh, maybe today's the day when you're ready to step across the line of faith and put your trust in Him for your salvation. It's as simply as saying to Him through in your heart that, Lord, I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness, Please forgive me of my sins. I accept your work on the cross as payment. I believe that you're God. I'm going to begin following you. And you turn towards him and turn away from that life. If you're ready to do that, would you let us know that God's doing something in your life? We want to be part of that journey with you. We want to pray with you. We want to answer any questions. We have a a counter in the lobby on the left-hand side. There's people there who can answer any questions, pray with you. They have a Bible for you if you want one. If you're online, go to campcc.net and click on next steps. Um, And there's a way you can fill out a little form there and one of our staff will get back to you as well. All right, we're going to receive the offering today. It's one of the ways we give back to God. And we just want to honor him and be faithful to what his word says, like Zach was talking about. Uh, If you want to do that, there's three ways to participate. You can go online, campcc.net. You can text to give 84321 or you can write a check and put it in the offering box in the lobby. Um, right now, I want to highlight our safety team. Um, we live in a weird world where a church needs a safety team, but I'm so thankful that we have one so that we can come here and freely worship and know there's someone watching our back. And uh, they get here early and they sweep the entire building. They just check everything. Um, they check all the seats behind the doors. They're standing out front, and they're, they're a huge thing. Can we give them a round of applause for those guys? Yeah. <clears throat> I want to say that we're, we're always looking to add to this team. So if you're here and you're a first responder or you're the kind of person who when something bad happens, you run towards it instead of away from it, you're the kind of person we're looking for. And if you can just talk to me afterwards or talk to Mike Thomas, uh, we would love to get you involved on that team as well. All right, before we go, let's check out what's coming up next at CamCC. Hey CamCC, I'm Megan Terryberry. I'm a part of our worship ministry here at church. If you are a first, second, or third time guest, we have some gifts for you to thank you for hanging out with us. We would love to put a face to the name, so please walk over to the welcome counter in the lobby with a connection card, or if you're online, please go to camcc.net slash next steps. Check out what's coming up at CamCC, August 5th through 8th, middle school summer camp. Enjoy kayaking, snorkeling, swimming, volleyball, basketball, and giant group games on Catalina Island. This will be an amazing experience for you and your friends. There are limited spots available, so go to camcc.net slash Catalina to sign up today. Important dates coming up, so make sure to save the date and also check out upcoming events at camcc.net. August 30th, CamCC Blood Drive. September 4th, Growth Group Sign-Ups. October 21st through 23rd, Men's Retreat. To stay in the loop of what's going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information on any of these events, go to camcc.net. Well, thank you, Zach, for that awesome message about being intentional in our faith and all things uh, our service, our sacrifice, being willing to face adver- adverse conditions for your gospel's sake. Um, before we go, I want to point out we did put the seat covers on the back rows and want to apologize if that's where you used to sit. We're trying to push people forward intentionally because, you know, one of our biggest holdbacks here is we have too big of a room for the size of our church. Um, and when visitors come, the thing you notice is where is everybody? There's 450 people come here on a Sunday, but it doesn't ever feel like it. For now, we're going to keep the balcony opening, um, but just want to tell the balcony people that you're welcome to join us on the floor. We know that you sit up there because you come here late, and that's probably our fault for starting on time, to be honest, but uh, it's okay if you're late and come into the floor too. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.